1: This program is brought to you by the Furnace Family, Edmonton's furnace replacement experts. Call 780-4-FAMILY or visit FurnaceFamily.com.
0: The game is over when the final buzzer sounds. The analysis ends when you say it does. This is Overtime Open Line. Interviews, analysis, and your opinion. Overtime Open Line is brought to you by the Canadian Brew House. Now. From the Osmond Auctions Broadcast Center, Reed, Reed Wilkins, Wilkins, Wilkins on, on Oilers, Oilers Radio.
2: 6.30 chance. Bomb came down, won a puck battle, and now you've got McDavid and Dryson off the right-hand side. Domi and Connaughton on the ice for Arizona. McDavid centers, one-timer, score. Oscar Kleffbaum, and Edmonton strikes again in overtime. This time, it's Clefbaum with his first goal in 34 games. It's the winner, Edmonton 4, Arizona 3, in overtime.
3: First career overtime winner for Oscar clefbaum. And Edmonton survives a rally by the Arizona Coyotes for a 4-3 victory. Thanks a lot for tuning in tonight. Canadian Brewhouse Overtime Open Line from the Osmond Auctions Broadcast Center along with Rob Brown, I'm Reed Wilkins. Clefbaum Bomb ending a 33-game goalless drought to end the game. Earlier, Milan Lucic ending a 29-game goalless drought at that time that put Edmonton ahead 2-1. They led 3-1 after one, 3-1 after two. Heck, they led 3-1. With nine minutes left, but once again, the opponent rallies. Rob, just looking back here, February 20th, the Oilers lead Boston 2-0 after two. They lose 3-2. February 22nd, the Oilers lead Colorado 2-0 late in the second period. Colorado ties it 2-2. Edmonton wins in overtime. At Los Angeles, February 24th, the Oilers are up two goals with 25 seconds left. The Kings put the puck in the net twice. One of them negated on goalie interference. Oilers survived to win 4-3. February 25th at Anaheim, Oilers led by two goals with 25 seconds left. Anaheim put the puck in the net twice. They both counted, but the Oilers won in overtime. Shall we continue? March 1st, Nashville, Oilers lead 2-0 late in the second period. Nashville wins 4-2. And then tonight, the Oilers lead by two goals, 3-1. Like I said, with uh, nine minutes left, Arizona ties it, but the Oilers get the overtime win. Apparently, it's the worst lead, I don't know if in hockey, but certainly for the Oilers lately, the two-goal cushion.
1: Well, well tonight, I mean, every every game has its, its reason. There's been games where the Oilers have been up two goals and might not have deserved the two-goal lead. There's been games that... The, the L.A. and the Anaheim ones, that the, the Oilers played very good and just had uh, nervous breakdowns in the last minute of play. Uh, tonight in this game, uh, I th- I think the Oilers just stopped working. They, they built up the 3-1 lead in the first period, had the game completely in control, and then they just took their work hats off and just played to the competition. And Arizona, over the last 40 minutes, uh, pushed the pace. They, they pushed the work ethic. They pushed the battle effort, the the competitiveness. And they, they just stole the game back. Now, uh, once it got to overtime, you knew that, you know, it, it's going to turn out to be an Edmonton victory once they get to three-on-three. Three. But th- there's probably some disappointment in the fact that this is a game that should not have gotten to overtime. This is a game that the Oilers should have been able to extend a lead, not fall into the trap where they they sit on a lead and and then start cheating a little bit. Arizona is not a a team that's gifted with a bunch of superstars, yet they outwork you, and they outwork the Oilers down low. And the Oilers, uh, a couple times, were looking for bounces to go their way and and getting on the wrong side of players. And at the end of the day, uh, you know Cam Talbot was hung out to dry a few times. So uh, it's good that the Oilers won the game, but it's, it's disappointing the way they had to win
3: it. 4-3, Edmonton takes it. Clefbaum, OT winner, mentioned Lucic getting off the schneid. Jujar Kara shorthanded. Yes, he pulled on the power play, also scoring for Edmonton. In games tied after 60 minutes, the Oilers are now 10-4. and Seven and three in overtime, three and one in shootouts. So that continues to be a strength of the team. And when you factor in they have 28 wins, uh, you know that's only 18 in regulation time. So they don't have a very good record. But uh, if they didn't have the good three on three and shootout record, obviously it'd, it'd be even tougher. The penalty kill is a positive 27 for 29 in the last 10. And even though it went to overtime, the You know, the special teams were big tonight. Uh, They kill off all three Arizona power plays, plus get a shorthanded goal and they do get a power play goal tonight to go one for four. Now, it would have been nice to get another one to stretch the lead and probably put the game away if you get one, but a rare special teams win for the Oilers tonight.
1: Well, it's something that they needed to improve on. Uh, I mean, it's not going to get them into the playoffs this year, but the majority of the players that play in those positions are going to be on the team again next year, so you want to have a little bit of confidence and feel good about it, and some of the players are auditioning to be that guy, to be the guy in front of the net front presence, to be the guy in the back end to, uh, to, to with the shot at the end, a cleft bomb, a Lucic. Those guys want to be power play guys. They don't want the Oilers to go out and look for players to replace them this summer. As for the penalty killing, those are the type of players that you can pick up in the offseason because normally penalty killers are not of the superstar variety. They're guys that work hard and are smart and can skate and, and you can try and find those players. So the Oilers players that are here want to be part of the solution and by doing that they have to be uh accountable over the last you know 20 or so games that they've had here and and they are getting better in those things even the power play though it it wasn't scoring it did look dangerous at times and the one player that looked really dangerous on it and i thought acquitted himself very well was ethan bear uh it, it, it's amazing you're coming up and you're on the back point and he's the high guy so if there's a mistake it's very noticeable, but he's, not, he's the high guy, and he's passing it to a dry settler. He's passing it to a McDavid. He's got Lucic in front of the net, and none of it seemed to phase him. He made the plays that were there. He didn't force things to the stars. When he had a chance to put the puck on net, he did, and he put it in a good spot for that allowed Lucic to get in for the screen and have a chance to tip it. So their power play, their second unit with, with uh, Ethan Bear has looked very effective. So good on the young kid who had the, the rough first game, but since then has played very, very well.
3: Yeah, I like Bear's composure. And when he's pressured at the blue line, he still knows where to bake to the puck. And, and Rob, I mean, you and I talk about it, and you know, I've got to talk to minor league coaches who coach in the AHL, and they say in the American Hockey League, you can win a puck battle or get the puck and then look up. It mm-hmm. qu- you still have to do it quick, yeah. but you have that extra split second to say, oh, no option A. Okay, in the, in the NHL, you have to already know, okay, I might get the puck. If I do, what am I going to do with it? And I thought Bear showed that he can make those decisions.
1: Well, the, the thing about Bear is this is that's where he's naturally comfortable, is, is on a power play. He's been running it his whole life, whether it be junior in the minors or here now at the National Hockey League level. Uh, his smarts are uh, an attribute that he has. He understands the game. He knows where the puck should go, where the puck shouldn't go. He knows uh, safe plays, too. There's times when you, you can't force something because forcing it will get you into trouble, so you got to know where to put the puck in a safe place that allow your men to get there first and to win a battle. Uh, yeah, it's, it, sometimes you get overwhelmed as a young player in certain situations. I, I haven't seen that. And sometimes when you have a struggle, as he did in the first game, and, and, and the one goal that was pinned right on him, uh, he got he hesitant when he went to to poke check a puck turned into a two on one and a goal against. When that happens to a young player, they they fall back into okay, I'm gonna do nothing here. I'm just gonna stay quiet and not 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 force anything. And he's not doing that. He's still making plays. So uh, it's been a nice uh, audition for him thus far. We'll see how long it goes. But I and in. I don't, you don't want to read into it too much, but in tonight's game, I mean, you would think once Larson gets back that Bear would be the guy to come out, but tonight Ethan Bear plays 17 minutes, which was more than Sekret, which was more than Benning. So they have faith in, in, and trust in him at a young age, and, and tonight he, he showed that he deserved that trust the way he played.
3: Oilers get it
1: done 4-3 in overtime over
3: the Arizona Coyotes. That means a $100 donation to the Juvenile Diabetes Research Foundation from Booster Juice, an oasis of freshness in a fast-paced world. They give $25 every time the Oilers score. You can track the total on the Oilers page on 630chad.com. You can reach Rob and me at 780-496-0063. First call tonight goes to Alex. Hey, Alex, good to hear from you. Go ahead.
4: Uh, Hey, guys. Um, yeah, so everything positive I wanted to talk about tonight, you know, the, the power play getting a goal, the penalty kill being perfect, and, you know, can't help making the saves, is completely gone now that we've given up that two-goal lead. I don't know what's wrong. If the Sebastian's not giving up the first shot or the first goal in the five minutes, they're blowing a two-goal lead, and they did both tonight. Um, I wanted to comment on, you know, first of all, really glad that Lucic, you know, broke uh, his goals out. I never cheered so much of my life for, you know, for the big guy. So congratulations to him and, and, and to bomb as well. I do want to ask, what do you guys think has changed in the penalty kill, especially at home? I know on the road it's always been... Uh, top in the league, but at home it was historically bad, and in the past month uh, I think it's changed. Do you think it has to do with coffee coming on board, or do you think they just changed the mentality? And one last thing before you guys let me go, Rob, I had a nice little chuckle at your George V comment in the pregame.
1: <laughs> nice. <laughs> uh, well, thank you. Yeah, guys. Um, Thanks, guys. Uh, you well, Reed would know more about whether it has anything to do with coffee. I think that, for me, I, I, I think a lot of it has to do they become more aggressive. They're they're better with sticks and lanes. Um, the hard thing that the coaching staff had with the penalty kill was you, you're you're just horrendous at home. But it's the same guys you're using and the same systems you're using that you're doing on the road, and it's the best in the league. So how do you change it when you know that it works? And how do you change the players when you know that they have sex or sex? i know they don't have the other stuff away from home they have success away from home so it's really tough for the coaching staff but uh to me the ones that i've seen here on home as of late they've been much more aggressive not allowing the uh the offensive team to set up not allowing them to have time and space to make plays and it has worked
3: Yeah, I mentioned the penalty kill, 27 for 29 in its last 10 games, last five uh, home games, and now goes to 12 out of 13. I I, I do think, you know, Strom has taken on more responsibility on the penalty kill. He seems to have embraced that, and Kara has gotten more responsibility on the penalty kill. They combined for a shorthanded goal tonight, and they're just, I mean, you said it, they're, they're winning more races, and they're better at clearing pucks. I mean, how many home games earlier would and Oilers got the puck, shoots it right into a defenseman's body. And like guys who were like Leteste, reliable. remember the play, Leon could have skated the puck out yep. threw a cute backhand pass into the middle while shorthanded in your own end. So they're making smarter plays. They're making more thorough and assertive plays shorthanded.
1: And when you add players like Strom and, and Kara, and you give them more responsible, give them more penalty killing time, they their want is going to be so high because that's that's bonus ice time right and when when a star makes a mistake on a penalty kill you know what? You're going to look the other way sometimes because of the other stuff that they do. But if Fekera goes out there and has a bad penalty kill, well, guess what? He's not going on it next time. Yep. Strom struggles; he's not going on it. So for them, they've got to be perfect when they're out there. They got to do all the little things. They got to do all the little things right. And that's why some of the best penalty penalty killers you'll ever see are third and fourth line guys because that's their job. And if they don't get it done, that will no longer be their job.
3: Oilers PK is our adjustment of the game for the Alberta College and Association of Chiropractors. If it hurts, see a chiropractor. Visit Alberta to Cairo.com. In overtime, Oilers beat the Coyotes 4-3. Another adjustment, Milan Lucic finally scored. His comments for GCL Diesel. For genuine diesel parts at great prices, visit GCL in the West End or online at GCLDiesel.com.
5: Yeah, for sure. No, nice to have one finally go in. I think I, I said it this morning. It's one of those ones where you just are not thinking and just shoot it as hard as you can and, and it, Finds a way in uh, just inside the post. So nice to get that one. Uh, nice to get a win here at home. Uh, and you know, I think we, even though we gave up a two-goal lead there, uh, for them to tie it and to go into overtime, I think we did it uh, uh, a lot more. Of what we wanted to do and how we wanted to play versus how we played against the Rangers, and we just need to keep uh, building off of that. To get that one out of the way, what can that do for your confidence? I guess here the rest of the season. I mean, it does a lot. You know, uh, you don't have to, you know, keep overthinking things and, and all that type of stuff. So it, it creates some uh, positivity with your with your mindset, and and uh, you hope that you can build off that.
2: Um, can you describe how frustrated? I read that's that's uh, Milan Lucic.
3: All right, Lucic blasting one home. Interviewed him earlier in the season, Rob, and he said he just shoots, tries to shoot it as hard as he can. It helped there.
1: Well, and, and you can tell. He puts everything into it. And the one thing that we've noticed over the course of the season, well, more at the beginning of the year than as of late, was how heavy a shot he has. And he's coming down full speed and shoot it. And that's, I've heard a lot of different players. I know that Paul Coffey was talking about it with some of the younger players. Matt Benning told me, said that. Coffee says, you know, don't just float one on net. Fire it as hard as you can. Always shoot hard. Always. And Lucic does that. And when he it goes, I mean, it's a better chance. I mean, the goalie's got to set better. It can go through the goaltender. And, and tonight, Lucic badly needed that. I, I don't know if it touched the defenseman's stick on the way in. But whatever it was, that is a huge, huge weight off of him. Uh, the relief will be there. And it, and it will show not only in... Uh, the goal-scoring part, of it'll show in other parts of his game too because going that long and having to talk about it every single day certainly stresses a man out.
3: So the Oilers win 4-3 in overtime on the Advantage Trailer Rental scoreboard. Islanders and Canucks 2-2 with 10 minutes left. Islanders are here on Thursday. Penguins edge the Flames 4-3 in overtime. Sabres knock off the Maple Leafs 5-3, and Ottawa wins 3-2 in Dallas in overtime. Logan and Tony are next up in the batting order on the phones. You'll also hear from both head coaches. Oilers take it 4-3. Canadian Brewhouse Overtime Open Line from the Osmond Auctions Broadcast. Center.
0: This is the Canadian Brewhouse Overtime Open Line. Now, from the Osmond Auctions Broadcast Center, Reed Wilkins on Oilers Radio, 630 Channel 3-1 Oilers.
2: Coyote power play at five seconds. on, hesitating. The longtime Ranger gets it back from Dvorak. Centered Dvorak, wrist See, made by Talbot and a
3: beauty. Talbot gets the win. He was pretty solid tonight. That's his save of the game for RV Wars. Massive spring clearance sale March 8th through the 11th in West Edmonton. Visit rvwars.ca for details. Talbot gets the win. Oilers get by the Coyotes 4-3 in overtime along with Rob Brown. I'm Reed Wilkins. Just as we went to commercial there, Vancouver scored to go up 3-2 on the Islanders. Now about eight and a half minutes left updating the Advantage trailer rentals out of town scoreboard. 496 0063. We have Logan on the the line Logan nice to hear from you again Um I,
4: I was at the game tonight the so Nice to lootjeet finally getting a goal the Oilers had an awesome on free on free. I was at the game tonight Nice to lootjeet his goal the Oilers got lots of shots and net tonight short handed goal power play need that all year Do you have comment on that Reed
3: Logan First of all, maybe you're the good luck charm for Lucic. Where were you sitting tonight?
4: Um, behind Talbot, buddy.
3: Oh, good stuff. Well, I'm glad you got to cover the game and thanks again for calling. And I I think the the I mean decent shot total, 36 for the Oilers. Uh would have liked a little more in the second period maybe <laughs> when they only got they only got 5, but the special teams uh, again were huge as they killed off uh, all three Arizona power plays. They they did get a power play goal. You mentioned it, Rob uh, when Bear was out there in the third period on the power play, uh, made some good plays. And even Clefbaum got a couple shots through from the line, which has been missing a lot of nights.
1: Yeah, no, the Oilers did a good job uh, getting the puck to Clefbaum in an area where he could shoot without guys in front of him. Clefbaum uh, then did a good shot getting the pucks on net. Uh, the, uh, we, we've talked about it a lot. The Oilers' power play is better when they get a shot early in the, the power play, and it starts to create havoc down low. So uh, it, it, when, you win, when you go plus two in the in the specialty teams war you're usually going to win and when your goaltender is a little bit better than the other goaltender it betters your chances and i think both those things happen tonight
3: cam talbot the fourth star of the game for missioner on auctioneering check out maauctions.com for industrial and automotive sale dates the three stars clef one jarmelson two and lucic breaking the goalless drought third star well clef did as well he had a 33 game drought lucic 29 they both score tonight more phone calls in a second here. Let's go downstairs to the Coyotes dressing room for BDO First Call Debt Solutions, Bankruptcies and Consumer Proposals, Licensed Insolvency Trustees. Here's Rick Talkett.
6: How did you guys find a point
7: here tonight? Um, no, I thought we played good. I mean, there about six, seven minutes in the uh, first period. Um, didn't like it, but I thought we battled back. A lot of resiliency. We've seen that from this group all year. I mean, do you sense that confidence even when you're down, if
5: it's on the road or at home?
7: Yeah, no, that's something we've been building on the last six, seven weeks. You know, um, you know, we we obviously didn't like our first, uh, the last ten minutes, but then after that, they had two shots at whether five on five in the second, and I thought uh, we had some chances. So it was it was a good game. We talked uh, before the game about your fourth line. Nick Jarmuson just corrected us, yes. and I think Tyson did in game. It's hard to call those guys your fourth line. They're vital to this one tonight, aren't they? Yeah, they bring a lot of energy. They have the puck a lot. They um, they like cycling the puck, uh, put the puck behind the net. They did a nice job. They work hard, and that, that's why they're rewarded. Can you tell us what happened with Auntie, if anything, and what you thought of Darcy here tonight? Uh, yeah, it was just almost like 16 minutes for, uh, uh, for the puck drop and uh, got a little tight on something, so we had to uh, put Kemp's in. It's so, okay, you know, Kev's done a nice job, man. It's a tough to see. you know, 10 minutes before you uh, he, he, he were telling me starts. Uh, he had 17 shots in the first, so it wasn't something that we wanted to give, you know, let the guy get kind of get a little bit slower than that. But uh, he did a nice job. How did you handle the first intermission? I mean, after a difficult first period, what was your take with those guys after the way that they've been playing? Yeah, you know, uh, you know, no yelling and screaming. I, I, like I said, the first seven, eight minutes, I liked it. You know, then they got that short and had a goal, and, you know, McDavid was flying out there. I mean, he's a hell of a hockey player, and they, they started to come. Uh, but then we settled down, like I said, after intermission. Uh, just went over a couple adjustments, and, uh, you know, I thought the last 40 we did next show job. Was it dangerous playing Oliver Ekman-Larsen late? What did you think? I didn't see the video uh, replay. I just kind of, I just went on the reaction of the, uh, the players, the, what they told me, but I have not seen the video. Was this something that came out of the blue or something that you knew? Yeah, it basically basically came out of the blue. So it's, it's nothing serious, it just came out of the blue. Lower body?
3: All right, Scott Johnson worked in the visitors' dressing room. So Aunty Ranta was the announced starter, and they thought he was going to start going into the warm-up. Something happens. Darcy Kemper plays instead. And we should touch on that. Did, did Nuge get away with a hit from behind there in the last 30 seconds?
1: I don't think it was uh, is the one down in the right corner. Yeah. I don't think it was a hit from behind. I think he clipped his, his leg and, and, and tripped him. I, I think it was incidental. Uh, I don't even think he pushed him. I think their legs hit, and he tripped them, and he went in dangerously. Uh, I, I think the refs made the right non-call. I think it was just incidental contact, and it was ugly. And I can see the player being—I I didn't realize it was Ekman-Larsson, uh, but Leon I,
3: nailed a couple times. Yeah.
1: Leon got him in the first period too. Got him up high on that one too. Yeah. I, was, I thought that one might have been a penalty, but yeah, no, I, I didn't—I didn't think it was a penalty. It just any time a player goes into the boards like that, uh, most guys don't see it; they see the the aftermath and you automatically yell at the ref. That's what we're all prone to do.
3: Oilers win 4-3 in overtime. Clef bomb, first career OT goal. One shy of the Japanese Village goal light. We will turn that on whenever the Oilers get five or more in a game. Then you can go to 630 ched.com Oilers, print up a coupon for a free appetizer at Japanese Village, three locations in Edmonton, downtown Southside and Northside. 780 496 Good
8: evening, Tony.
3: How is your evening?
8: How's it going, boys? Doing well. So a uh, couple comments here. I'm happy that Lucic finally scored. I've been defending this guy since the whole drought started because everybody's just saying, "Oh, you know, he's useless, he's useless," and all kinds of stuff. So I'm happy with the fact that he scored. I'm I'm happy also with the fact that Edmonton said Luch when they when he did score. Uh, cleft bump scoring was a great, you know, two great droughts that ended tonight. Um, I was hearing something on Sportsnet tonight and. If you guys can comment on this, they were saying the fact that we have uh, Nuge who has a $6 million contract. We have about four, well, five or six different contracts that are worth big bucks. And they said that there is a chance that they're talking to Nuge about maybe becoming a
1: defenseman. Do
8: you think that would be possible? <laughs> what?
1: I've never heard that uh, before in my life. And I, who said that? that was, uh,
8: Louis DeBrusque. During a uh, second intermission, they said that because since he's a, since he's a $6 million contract, And the fact that we don't really have a good right-handed shot that they've been... I think it's,
1: like, behind closed doors, but... I've never that. heard they, that. They said I that have, Nuge was going to become a defenseman or be traded for a defenseman.
8: No, I don't know
1: if it would be become a defenseman or a I think a it'd be, it would be traded. Uh, R&H is never going to become a defenseman. There are... Uh, th- I mean, there is a, always a possibility that r could get traded for a right-handed defenseman. There is absolutely no chance ever that he is going to become a defenseman. I don't
8: know. Maybe I did hear it wrong, but... You know, he, yeah, he probably, they, when he,
3: when he, pro- he might, I, we didn't know, Rob and I never hear the intermissions because we're on ourselves. He, maybe he said Dugan Hopkins would be turned into a defenseman, but he meant
2: would be tr- turned into
1: trade, by, Through trade. trade, trade yes. Trade. Yeah. No, he's not gonna, he's never yes. going to be
3: a defenseman. Which I still, I, my preference is he's not traded. I think he's an important part. I, mean, I, I understand I, the weaknesses on the team, but I, I hope there's a way he stays.
8: And the, another question I have is, um, yeah, he may have came in a little bit slow when he first came in, but do you think the Oilers will resign Camilleri actually on the during the offseason?
1: Um, I I doubt it. I think I think he's played he's played well. I think he's given them more than probably what they expected, and he's certainly given them a, a lot more than what UC Jokinen had given them. Um, I my thoughts is the probably want to find someone that's capable of playing his minutes that is younger uh, faster so I I don't believe they'll bring him back but I mean I I think he's done a very good job in the role that he's been in thanks
3: Tony we'll talk to you again Oilers win 4-3 in overtime you'll hear from head coach Todd McClellan Canadian Brewhouse overtime open line from the Osmond Auctions Broadcast Center
0: live from the Osmond Auctions Broadcast Center this is the Canadian Brewhouse Overtime Open Line on Oilers Radio, 630
3: chair. All right, thanks a lot for tuning in tonight in Overtime. Edmonton Oilers 4, Arizona Coyotes 3, Leon Dreisaitl, a couple of assists tonight, Kara, Lucic, Puliarvi, and Klefbom, the goal scorers for Edmonton. Jarmelson, Dvorak, and Demers scoring for the Arizona Coyotes. Demers got an early one. Shot was going well wide. Bounced in off Chris Russell's skate. Oilers blow a lead late, but are able to get the two points out of this one. Reed Wilkins, Rob Brown. Thanks a lot for tuning in. We have Darren on the line at 7804960063. Hey, Darren.
2: Hi, Reed. How's it going? Good i got a question for you and Rob, and it, uh, maybe it's given some insight on, from a coach's perspective, how, how do you get the guys engaged to not sit on a lead? It seems likely that uh, we seem content with a couple goal leads and the momentum shifts, and so I'm just looking for your comments on how do you get, you know, how does a coach go about getting the guys really enthused about continuing to drive rather than sit back and, and just, play?
1: Well, I'm sure the coaches are saying the right things. I think normally, just human nature, you you back off a little bit. Um, Sometimes you lose your defensive positioning, especially tonight. It was 3-1 after 1, and it looked like this could be a game that could be 6-1, 7-2. And the Oilers come out in the second period on a power play. If they extend the lead, it could be that. But give Arizona credit. They came and they pushed, and I don't think the Oilers were ready for the push, for one. And then the Oilers just... They got caught in their own zone a lot, and when they did, they started running around, uh, losing positioning, uh, not being in the the place they're supposed to be, uh, leaving the zone or being on the wrong side of the player sometimes. So now all of a sudden it's hard to press with the lead when you can't get out of your own zone. And I think that's what happened tonight. I just think that uh, they had some defensive lapses that turned into long extended periods in their own zone and just continued to give the Arizona Coyotes more confidence and more momentum. Darren,
3: do you want to finish the play? Sure. We want to give you an eight-day parking pass to Jet Set U Park, brought to you by Jet Set Parking. Park cheap and easy. Visit jetsetparking.com.
2: Shovels it out. Domi will move it quickly for Ponick. He's got set beat to the net. Rich shot to nine. Cam Talbot. Rebound Ponick. All right. I'm
3: just going to ask a question about the season series. Uh, earlier this year, these two teams went to overtime as well here at Rogers Place. Who got the game winner in that one? Was it Milan Lucic or Ryan Nugent-Hopkins? Ryan Nugent-Hopkins. There you it go. It was on the breakaway. Good stuff there, and hang on the line so Kellen can take down your information. So that's the interesting thing about the NHL point system now. Edmonton in the season series goes three and one against Arizona. Arizona against Edmonton goes 1-1 one, one and 2. So I guess you, I guess <laughs> Which you, isn't you, a bad record. I just just go by points. Edmonton wins the season series 6 points to 4. Jordan Eberle scores with a minute 4 left.
1: On a power play three, three, with Withers and Van with the goalie pulled. So they were 6 on 4 and Jordan Eberle scores and now they're a minute away from overtime.
3: Clefbaum got the winner tonight. Let's hear from him for GCL Diesel, for genuine diesel parts at great prices. Visit GCL on the West End or online at gcldiesel.com.
5: Yeah. No, it was very good. This is the stuff. I mean, this is the stuff you guys are playing for at this part of the season. Right? It's a small victory. Yeah.
9: Oh, yeah. And I'm, it gives a lot of confidence, especially for me and Milan today, to to finally score a goal. Uh, I mean, we've been close a couple of times, but it's to get that overtime win, overtime win, it, it gives a lot of confidence and, and a lot of energy. Thanks sort of in later. Take us through uh, your winning, the play that led to the goal. Yeah, it's pretty easy. I just give the puck to Connor early on and they, they do the rest kind of highest need to to uh Get my stick on the ice, and they, they got gonna find my tape, and and that's how it was. I mean, they made a hell of a play, and it was very nice for me to to finally score a goal. Uh, I've been close a couple of times, but it's nice to be to to be out there with them. I mean, I'm very fortunate to to be able to to play with them on the on the three on three,
2: and it's it's a lot of fun. You mentioned confidence, um, the lead. You guys have had some leads lately, maybe on the homestand so far. But is it confidence when it comes to playing with the lead for your for your group?
9: Uh, I don't know. It's tough. Uh, the only thing I think, I mean, we, we got to be, be able to find a way to close the games. Uh, I mean, it's been a number of games now, and we're up two goals, and, and they they worked their they worked their game. And, and score like today, three-three. It's not good enough, uh, especially against teams like Arizona and, and teams like that. Uh, we got to be, we got to be better. Got to be smarter. Make better decisions when we're up two goals in the third period here. Um, obviously, it's it's very nice to get the win, and certainly for me to to score the overtime winner. But we got to be better and, and be able to close games earlier. Oscar, can you uh,
6: maybe just put in perspective of what Connor's doing, how much offense he's creating for you guys, and, and how much that helps at this
9: point? I mean, he's in my mind um, the best player in the world, so. It's obviously helps a lot and, and the three on three, I, I know I'm gonna, get a, I'm gonna get a chance or two. I mean, if I, I just be at the right place at the right time, he's gonna find my tape and that's the way it goes. I mean, him and Leon had a very good chemistry and, and the vision for the game and when they have their speed, I mean, they're very tough to play against. Um, just be able to, to practice against these guys every day, for me, it, it's, it's huge. I mean, the, the, the speed they come with and the vision they had, it's, it's impressive.
2: Read That's Oscar Kleffbaum.
3: Thanks, Brendan. Clefbaum gets his first career overtime goal, his fourth goal of the season. Oilers edge the Coyotes 4-3 50 seconds into the extra session. We still do have the McClellan post game coming up. More time for your calls, 780-496-0063. Canadian Brewhouse Overtime Open Line from the Osmond Auctions Broadcast
0: Center. This is the Canadian Brewhouse Overtime Open Line. Now from the Osmond Auctions Broadcast Center, Reed Wilkins on Oilers Radio. 6.30, chance.
2: Try to sneak it in inside. New Janopkins, wrist shot. Score! Yes, a Army on a setup from r Power play goal for Edmonton. Shorthanded goal for the Oilers. And wanted even strength. It's 3-1. Well, those goals
3: gave the Oilers a 3-1 lead through 20 minutes. There would be no scoring again until the third. Dvorak with 8.29 to go. Jarmilson with 4.39 left. Oilers let another two-goal lead slip away, but 50 seconds into overtime. Oscar Clefbaum gets the winner from McDavid. And Dreisaitl, Arizona, gets a point out of this. They're 8-2-2 in their last 12. Good little run for them. Reid Wilkins, Rob Brown, thanks a lot for joining us. It's 10.35. Let's go back downstairs. Here's Oilers head coach Todd McClellan.
2: I guess to start off, uh, Milan, Oscar, and long droughts, Uh, your thoughts on that as a coach to see that happen, as well as what does that do to the teammates around them?
6: Well, it's it's a relief for all of us, but a big relief for both of them. It's been uh, a long time coming, a lot of chances and opportunities for both of them that haven't gone in, and that's uh, a heavy weight that both of them have been carrying for two months. So uh, to get that off their, their back and their shoulders and the teammates, the good, the good sign for our team is we're not where we want to be, but they all reacted positively to that. They're, they're pulling for teammates. They're happy for them. And um, you look for little team signs like that. Um, we give up a two-goal lead again, but we we stick with things. We come back. That's a good sign. Uh, so we're trying to find some positives, in a year that's been a little bit miserable, obviously. And uh, we want to continue to uh, to do that down the stretch.
2: Todd Malen uh, said you had a quite the little joke with him on the bench after that he should keep the puck and uh, said he can appreciate a, a little good humor. Uh, what'd you say to Oscar uh, who ended even longer drought? I haven't even had a
6: chance yet, so we may have to uh, to get the trophy maker here in Edmonton to, to put two uh, two of them together. But you know we're uh, we're hard on the on the players a lot, and um, you know when they do get that relief, we should be participating with them and letting them know that we're behind them as well. So that was a, a case of luch. Can you just assess your team's night from, you know, obviously getting the lead to losing it and eventually winning? Just talk us through the way you- uh, Ups and downs, uh, emotional highs, some lows. Um, you know, we've we've con- um, we've battled that first goal against all year. Um, uh, again, that shot's going at least 12, 15 feet wide and, and off a of skating in, you know, so that was a bit of a downer. But then how are we going to react? Were we going to roll over and, and feel sorry for ourselves? We didn't. So that's, uh, there's a negative. We turned into a positive. Shorthanded goal. Penalty kill was real good. Power play got us one. Um, there hasn't been many nights this year, obviously, when special teams won us a game. Tonight was one of those. Uh, we give up the lead. Again, that's an emotional Downer for us, uh, but we find a way to come back. So, uh, a night of ups and downs, um, some inconsistencies, but we found ways to uh, recover.
4: Talk about a little bit about Ryan Strom's game tonight. On that shorthanded goal, he showed a, I thought,
6: a lot of real smarts on that play. Well, he uh, he was smart on that play. One, he didn't force a pass. Uh, shorthanded when you force a pass shorthanded and it doesn 't work they 're coming back at you with at least a four on two uh, two he created a, a good shooting angle um, and, and got to the middle of the rink which creates a rebound that 's going to stay in and around the the blue paint rather than from a bad angle where it ricochets to the corner and uh, then get jJ credit for going to uh, to the blue paint and and stopping in there and that doesn 't always happen shorthand a lot of times guys are building speed to come back just in case but uh, because of what Stromer did to improve the angle, it it allowed JJ to stop. So, a smart play on on both their behalfs. What did you say to Milan when he came back to the bench? I just, you know, he was smiling. He was relieved. I'm not even sure in his 13 or 14 year career he hasn't had to deal with that a lot. So, um, I just asked him if he uh, if he was going to keep the puck, and he just smiled. and He goes, "Maybe I should." So. Todd. Uh-
2: Auberge, you've started to see a few more. Excuse me, a few more games from him. Uh, we saw his speed starting to get more comfortable. He's obviously a guy who's not afraid to shoot the puck uh, either. But what, what are you starting to see from a player that I don't know if you knew that much about before he got here? What do, what do you like about his game? What does he need to work on?
6: Well, what we what we did know was through scouting reports and uh, a game or two that he had played against us in the past. And so you have to give him some time to uh, to play, and then you get to formulate your own opinion. Um, he's a bright. Individual, First of all, he's a quiet guy. He's a bright individual that I think gets the game. He's good at anticipatory skills. Uh, he's willing to shoot it. Uh, I think he'll be an asset on that power play over on that right side, on that other unit. Um, you know, and I think he's beginning to fit our team. Uh, young guy, traded for the first time, European player, um, a lot to adjust to. So he, he's
2: doing a good job. You were talking about Aubrey there on the power play. Um, pauly RV scores on the power play tonight, and also you had Bear out there on that top unit. It really seemed like they were able to whip it around a bit. Did you see some potential in those two players moving forward and maybe increasing their power play time?
6: Oh, well, I see potential in those, uh, in those two forwards, of course. Uh, as far as uh, increasing the power play time, um, it will come as, as we go. Um, they got us a big goal tonight. Uh, The difference between Ethan and and Pontus is the position they play. Sometimes a D-man can stay a little bit longer. He may not have a lot of work. Uh, Forwards, once it's in the zone, have more work down low, and they've got to buzz around a little bit more. The D-man tends to be somewhat stationary, uh, unless you're breaking out a lot. So uh, ice time varies from forward to D on a power play. You had uh, almost 25 minutes from Connor tonight, seven shots, sets up the winner. Can you just... I mean, no one in the NHL has more points than him in the last month or so. Just put into perspective what his offensive push is doing to help keep your team somewhat afloat. Well, I, I talked about it again this morning. He's he's our leader. He, uh, he it's amazing how many minutes he can play at at 25. He's probably wishing he got 30. Um, you know, but we're trying to to develop um, a third and a fourth line center right now. So it takes it may sound strange. It may take a minute or two away from Connor, but that's the situation we're in. Um, but at 25 minutes, he wasn't tired. He just kept going and going, and uh, he drives our team. That's what your captain does, and you know we're going to need that from him as we go forward for for the rest of the season to keep our uh, our needle going the right direction.
3: All right, head coach Todd McClellan, Oilers win 4-3 in overtime against the Arizona Coyotes. McDavid an assist on the winner. Yeah, plays 42 had seven shots, and they'll play. A lot of overtime in the next decade or more, he and Leon, for <laughs> <Well, laughs> the Edmonton Oilers.
1: The Coyotes changed three times in the first shift, and McDavid and Settle were still out there. I mean, the Coyotes were going 15 seconds. And, and again, I don't know if, if nobody's watching the videos of the Oilers in overtime, but you can't play two fours against Connor. And Leon, you are not going to have success play. And if you have to play two defensemen the entire time, just to make sure, especially when you're on the road, get to a shootout. Shootout, you have a better chance than you do three on three against those two. They eat up forwards trying to play them defensively. And tonight again, uh, a mismatch. Leon settles going down the wing. Domi comes, leaves Connor, comes over and forces Leon, but he left his man. And all of a sudden, Connor McDavid open ice, three on three. He's not going to make a mistake. And the other thing on that goal, too, that's not an easy shot for Clefbaum. That's across his body one time, and we see a lot of guys miss that throughout the season. Uh, I know it was an open net, but he's still got to get the puck on the net, and it was a good play, jumping up in the play. He read the play as well. So that's when you're playing three on three, got to be smart because you got to be able to understand what's going to happen and not what's happening at that moment. The Oilers tonight were
3: shooting on Darcy Kemper, an unexpected starter in the Arizona net. His comments for BDO first Call debt solutions, bankruptcies and consumer proposals, licensed insolvency trustees. How
5: much time, how much notice did you get? Uh, about, I think there was probably about 10 minutes on the clock before the the start of the first when I found out, and, uh, uh, yeah, just uh, try to get ready as fast as I could. How difficult is that? Uh, you know, it's my job to uh, to be ready to go uh, no matter what. And um, you know, I felt pretty good in there. Obviously, the the result wasn't there in the first, but I, I didn't feel feel bad. But uh, you know, it was a great job by the group to stick with it and yeah. battle back. Uh, take it to overtime that was huge uh just unfortunately we couldn't finish it off in that second period third period you had to come up
7: with some monster saves just to keep it at what it was so by then how did you feel about things and how did that how did that go for you
5: uh yeah like i said the re- the result wasn't there in the first but i i didn't feel that bad so i just wanted to stick with it and and the guys did a great job in front of me uh the rest of the way and uh you know uh Really limited their pressure, and uh, uh, you know, made it uh, easier on me, and we were able to battle back. What do you remember about the game winner they just got? Pardon me. The game winner. What do you remember about that one? Uh, just uh, you know, uh, McDavid coming down the slot, uh, I was thinking, thinking shot first, and he made a great pass, and uh, you know, I, I got a, a push over there to get myself a chance, but uh, unfortunately, I just wasn't able to save
6: it.
1: Again, somebody not watching the videos. Connor's not thinking. Shot first. He's passing that 100 out of 100 times. But the thing is, when he comes in on his off wing and the way he carries the puck in, the goalie has to respect the shot because he's in a perfect shooting position. But he's passing every time, and its he's got cleft bomb with a wide open net. He's making that play.
3: The Oilers win 4-3 in overtime. Earlier, Keith, the winner of face-off trivia, he gets a $50 gift card to Buffet Royale Carvery from Armor Insurance. Protect your car, home, and business with Armor at armorinsurance.ca. Which Oiler rookie had 30 goals in 58 games played in 80-81? The answer, Glenn Anderson had exactly 30 goals in just 58 games. Pretty good debut season. He was 11th in the Calder voting because <laughs> like, Peter Stastny had 109 points as a rookie, or something like that. So yeah,
1: it it still worked out okay for Glenn yeah. over the course of his career. Absolutely, and the Stastny's were all pretty good. They were too. They were very good. I you remember. would have played against them a bit. Yep, I did. I remember when they played as a line. They were was that so
3: when they when your coach
1: said cover Stastny, you were like, well, well, I would have said, hey, coach, Stastny score, but I had my Stastny. <laughs> They were they were talented. They they were fine. I remember once they had a, a breakaway in an empty net, and it, they were playing against Hartford. I think they were with Quebec then, and, and they're going down three on zero. And S- olf Samuelson was through his glove, through his stick, through his other glove, and they the Staziers were mad because back then they would have they awarded you a goal but the other two don't get assists on it. So they were going to try to get Stazzy Stazzy to Stasny, and they, they took the assists away because Ulf was throwing all his stuff at the, the player with the breakaway. It was quite funny.
3: Oilers figure it out tonight. They survive a blown two-goal lead in the last nine minutes and beat the Coyotes 4-3 in overtime. It's 10.46. Time for a couple more calls if you want to chime in. 780-496-0063. Canadian Brewhouse Overtime Open Line from the Osmond Auctions Broadcast Centre.
0: Live from the Osmond Auctions Broadcast Center, this is the Canadian Brewhouse Overtime Open Live on Oilers Radio,
2: 6.30 chair. Over Ottawa, he'll feed the point and Cannot lost it, lunged it, Ryan Strome couldn't make a play and here come the Oilers, two on one, shorthanded, Strome to the net, re-shot, save Kemper, rebound, score, and the Oilers had their night! Shorthanded goal of the season. Jujar care on the rebound. He ties the game at one with his 11th goal of the season.
3: Good game for Kara. That was the Oilers' first goal tonight. They got three in the first, didn't score again until overtime. bomb 50 seconds in for McDavid and Drysidle. Oilers beat the Coyotes 4 3. By the way, the other game we were keeping an eye on here the Canucks beat the Islanders 4 3 in overtime. Brendan Leipzig got the game winner off an Islanders giveaway, but late in regulation time. One of the best young players in the league, Brock Besser, had to be helped off the ice. He looked like he was in a lot
1: of pain. He was. He was going backwards in the neutral zone, and Cal or Cal Clutterbuck was coming down on him one-on-one. He tried throwing a body check. Clutterbuck went through him, and Besser went flying through the air. And at the same time he was going flying through the air, one of the Canucks had just changed and had opened the door. And Besser went flying in and... His back hip area went crashing into the open door, and he did not get up. And by the time he got up, he was, you know, he had to be helped by two players and a trainer to the bench and down the hallway. He did not look healthy. So always scary when a, a door opens or when a door is open and a player going at full speed runs into it.
3: Reed Wilkins, Rob Brown. It's 10.50. We have Jazz on the open line. Hey, Jazz, thanks a lot for calling.
4: Hey, how's it going, guys? Thanks for having me.
3: Yeah, no problem. Go ahead.
4: Uh, what's going on with the first shot on, on that being a goal? Like, I think it's 13 times now?
3: If I'm Yeah, well, I, well you know what? I got 12 in my notes, but some other guys have 13. It, it's, it's been a lot. Uh, tonight wasn't the first shot, but it was an early one. It's a good question. Uh, I think there are different circumstances, Rob, that they're not all created equal. No. Uh, today's early mm-hmm. goal was, like you said, okay, you lose a face-off. It's going to happen. That shot was going well wide, and the Oilers covered the lost faceoff well.
1: Well, yeah, uh, Pugliarvi got into the shooting lane, which forced the defenseman to shoot her wide. Uh, Russell does a good job getting his forward out of in front of the net, allowing Talbot to see the puck. Unfortunately, the puck went so wide it hit... Russell in the back skeet. and again. The pucks kit players all the time and bounce wide, bounce into harmless ways. This one bounces into the net, and it's just one. It's just the season where if it could go wrong, it does go wrong. There's been games where the Oilers have been horrible at the start of the game and been outplayed and chance after chance, and, and something goes in. This was one where it just. Uh, bad luck and, and a bad break, and ended up in the back of their net.
3: I think the Rangers on Saturday, Leon will called it almost embarrassing. The first period, I, I would drop the almost. <laughs> Just complete lack of coverage, uh, leaving Talbot out to drive. Mean, it could have been three nothing Rangers six minutes in. Cam actually made a couple of really good saves. Yeah, I
1: agree. I think that was that might have been their worst that's period mean, of I mean, the
3: season. And I and there have been a few of those, you know, and that's and that's mental and yep. just not taking the work ethic seriously enough. And then I, I mean we're talking probably if there's twelve, you can probably say four of these, four of these, and four of these, and, and some. Um, you know, the goaltender didn't make the, the same. I mean, there was a Montoya let one in about a month ago. It was a floater from the blue line and. Yeah, he was sort of screened, but you, you expect the goalie to find that puck and stop it. So it's it's been a variety of issues in that regard for the Oilers. So hopefully that's that's one of those extremes that you hope doesn't carry over into next season or, or maybe stops before the end of this year.
1: Well, I'd say that it won't happen again. But when you uh, the key phrase that you used there, the, a variety of issues, well, I think that has been the season for the Oilers. It has been a variety of issues. It hasn't been one thing that you can say, if we fix this, things are going to be better. There's been a number of things. Things. A number of different different issues that the Oilers have to look through th- at through the rest of the season, and then obviously into the offseason.
3: It's nice to see the penalty kill be this successful for mm-hmm. an extended stretch. I mentioned 27 out of 29 successful kills in the last 10 games, so that's a nice chunk that you hope is, is turning around and, and continues. The next game for the Oilers is Thursday. Jordan Eberle returns as a member of the New York Islanders. We just mentioned they lost in overtime. The Islanders are four points out of a playoff spot. They're 29-29-9 on the season. Uh, They have scored 216 goals. They have allowed 241. They're minus 25 goal goal differential. Uh, For comparison, the Oilers are minus 32 and as, as tough as the Oilers have had it defensively this season, they have allowed 22 fewer goals than the Islanders. So we could see some fireworks on Thursday. Night.
1: I, I think we will. I think that from just watching the, the Canuck game here with the Islanders playing during the show, the Islanders give up a lot of chances. They, they want to trade chances with you. They've got some highly skilled players. Their back end is a little suspect. That's one of the reasons that, they, that Davidson went there to try and solidify or try to help the back end. But there there's a lot of mistakes on the back end with the Islanders. I don't believe they're a playoff hockey club. I don't think they're strong enough defensively. And we know, as we saw last year, at the end of the season, when, get, when the points become premium, you, you must be much better defensively than a team that the New York Islanders are. So I, I maybe this will be a 6-5 hockey game. Maybe it'll be one of those ones where last shot wins. But the Islanders are desperate for points, and the Oilers would love to be able to walk away with a little bit of a winning streak.
3: So, Lucic, first goal in 30. Clefbaum, first goal in 34. First ever overtime winner. The Oilers edge the Coyotes 4 3 in OT. Arizona rallied to tie it with two goals in the final eight and a half minutes. You can get more on 630JED.com. That game against the Islanders on Thursday, 5 30 faceoff show. Game will begin at 7 here on 630JED. Thanks to Kellen Kennedy, our studio producer, and Troy Bowler, our engineer here at Rogers Place. On behalf of Rob Brown, I'm Reed Wilkins. This has been Canadian Brew House time open line from the Osmond Auctions Broadcast Center. Have a great night.